The Fourth Commandment of the Large Catechism by Martin Luther Translated by F. Bente and W. H. T. Dow This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Thus far we have learned the first three commandments which relate to God. First, that with our whole heart we trust in Him and fear and love Him throughout all our life. Secondly, that we do not misuse His holy name in the support of falsehood or any bad work, but employ it to the praise of God and the profit and salvation of our neighbor and ourselves. Thirdly, that on holidays, and when at rest we diligently treat and urge God's word, so that all our actions and our entire life be ordered according to it. Now follow the other seven, which relate to our neighbor, among which the first and greatest is, Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. To this estate of fatherhood and motherhood, God has given the special distinction above all estates that are beneath it, that he not simply commands us to love our parents, but to honor them. For with respect to brothers, sisters, and our neighbors in general, he commands nothing higher than that we love them, so that he separates and distinguishes father and mother above all other persons upon earth, and places them at his side. For it is a far higher thing to honor than to love one, inasmuch as it comprehends not only love, but also modesty, humility, and deference as to a majesty there hidden, and requires not only that they be addressed kindly and with reverence, but most of all, that both in heart and with the body we so act as to show that we esteem them very highly, and that next to God we regard them as the very highest. For one whom we are to honor from the heart, we must truly regard as high and great. We must therefore impress it upon the young, that they should regard their parents as in God's stead, and remember that however lowly, poor, frail, and queer they may be, nevertheless they are father and mother given them by God. They are not to be deprived of their honor because of their conduct or their failings. Therefore we are not to regard their persons, how they may be, but the will of God who has thus created and ordained. In other respects we are, indeed, all alike in the eyes of God, but among us there must necessarily be such inequality and ordered difference. And therefore God commands it to be observed, that you obey me as your father, and that I have the supremacy. Learn therefore first what is the honor towards parents required by this commandment, to wit, that they be held in distinction and esteem above all things, as the most precious treasure on earth. Furthermore, that also in our words we observe modesty toward them. Do not accost them roughly, haughtily, and defiantly, but yield to them, and be silent, even though they go too far. Thirdly, that we show them such honor also by works, that is, with our body and possessions, that we serve them, help them, and provide for them when they are old, sick, infirm, or poor, and all that not only gladly, but with humility and reverence, as doing it before God. For he who knows how to regard them in his heart will not allow them to suffer want or hunger, but will place them above him and at his side, and will share with them whatever he has and possesses. Secondly, notice how great, good, and holy a work is here assigned children, which is, alas, utterly neglected and disregarded, and no one perceives that God has commanded it, or that it is a holy, divine word and doctrine. For if it had been regarded as such, 
every one could have inferred that they must be holy men who live according to these words. Thus there would have been no need of inventing monasticism nor spiritual orders, but every child would have abided by this commandment, and could have directed his conscience to God, and said, If I am to do good and holy works, I know of none better than to render all honor and obedience to my parents, because God has himself commanded it. For what God commands must be much and far nobler than everything that we may devise ourselves. And since there is no higher or better teacher to be found than God, there can be no better doctrine, indeed, than he gives forth. Now he teaches fully what we should do if we wish to perform truly good works, and by commanding them he shows that they please him. If then it is God who commands this, and who knows not how to appoint anything better, I will never improve upon it. Behold, in this manner we would have had a godly child properly taught, reared in true blessedness, and kept at home in obedience to his parents and in their service, so that men should have had blessing and joy from the spectacle. However, God's commandment was not permitted to be thus, with such care and diligence commended, but had to be neglected and trampled under foot, so that a child could not lay it to heart, and meanwhile gaped like a panting wolf at the devices which we set up, without once consulting or giving reverence to God. Let us, therefore, learn at last, for God's sake, that placing all other things out of sight, our youths look first to this commandment, if they wish to serve God with truly good works, that they do what is pleasing to their fathers and mothers, or to those to whom they may be subject in their stead. For every child that knows and does this has, in the first place, this great consolation in his heart, that he can joyfully say and boast, in spite of and against all who are occupied with works of their own choice, Behold, this work is well-pleasing to my God in heaven. That I know for certain. Let them all come together with their many great, distressing, and difficult works, and make their boast. We will see whether they can show one that is greater and nobler than obedience to father and mother, to whom God has appointed and commanded obedience next to his own majesty so that if God's word and will are in force and being accomplished, nothing shall be esteemed higher than the will and word of parents. Yet so that it, too, is subordinated to obedience toward God, and is not opposed to the preceding commandments. Therefore you should be heartily glad and thank God that he has chosen you and made you worthy to do a work so precious and pleasing to him. Only see that although it be regarded as the most humble and despised, you esteem it great and precious, not on account of our worthiness, but because it is comprehended in and controlled by the jewel and sanctuary, namely, the word and commandment of God. Oh, what a high price would all Carthusians, monks, and nuns pay, if in all their religious doings they could bring into God's presence a single work done by virtue of his commandment, and be able before his face to say with joyful heart, Now I know, that this work is well-pleasing to thee. Where will these poor wretched persons hide, when, in the sight of God and all the world, they shall blush with shame before a young child, who has lived according to this commandment, and shall have to confess that with their whole life they are not worthy to give it a drink of water? And it serves them right for their devilish perversion in treading God's commandment underfoot, that they must vainly torment themselves with works of their own device, and, in addition, have scorn and loss for their reward. 
Should not the heart then leap and melt for joy when going to work and doing what is commanded, saying, Lo, this is better than all holiness of the Carthusians, even though they kill themselves fasting and praying upon their knees without ceasing? For here you have a sure text and a divine testimony that he has enjoined this. But concerning the other he did not command a word. But this is the plight and miserable blindness of the world, that no one believes these things. To such an extent the devil has deceived us with false holiness and the glamour of our own works. Therefore I would be very glad, I say it again, if men would open their eyes and ears and take this to heart, lest some time we may again be led astray from the pure word of God to the lying vanities of the devil. Then, too, all would be well, for parents would have more joy, love, friendship, and concord in their houses. Thus the children could captivate their parents' hearts. On the other hand, when they are obstinate, and will not do what they ought until a rod is laid upon their back, they anger both God and their parents, whereby they deprive themselves of this treasure and joy of conscience, and lay up for themselves only misfortune. Therefore, as every one complains, the course of the world now is such that both young and old are altogether dissolute and beyond control, have no reverence nor sense of honor, do nothing except as they are driven to it by blows, and perpetrate what wrong and detraction they can behind each other's back. Therefore God also punishes them, that they sink into all kinds of filth and misery. As a rule, the parents too are themselves stupid and ignorant. One fool trains, teaches another. And as they have lived, so live their children after them. This, now, I say, should be the first and most important consideration to urge us to the observance of this commandment on which account, even if we had no father and mother, we ought to wish that God would set up wood and stone before us, whom we might call father and mother. How much more, since he has given us living parents, should we rejoice to show them honor and obedience, because we know it is so highly pleasing to the divine majesty and to all angels, and vexes all devils, and is, besides, the highest work which we can do, after the sublime divine worship comprehended in the previous commandments. So that giving of alms and every other good work toward our neighbor are not equal to this. For God has assigned this estate the highest place, yea, has set it up in his own stead upon earth. This will and pleasure of God ought to be a sufficient reason and incentive to us to do what we can with good will and pleasure. Besides this, it is our duty before the world to be grateful for benefits and every good which we have of our parents. But here again the devil rules in the world, so that the children forget their parents, as we all forget God, and no one considers how God nourishes, protects, and defends us, and bestows so much good on body and soul. Especially when an evil hour comes, we are angry and grumble with impatience, and all the good which we have received throughout our life is wiped out from our memory. Just so we do also with our parents, and there is no child that understands and considers this, what the parents have endured while nourishing and fostering him, except the Holy Ghost grant him this grace. God knows very well this perverseness of the world, therefore he admonishes and urges by commandments that every one consider what his parents have done for him, and he will find that he has from them body and life, moreover, that he has been fed and reared 
when otherwise he would have perished a hundred times in his own filth. Therefore it is a true and good saying of old and wise men, Deo parentibus et magistris, non potis satis gratiae rependi, that is, to God, to parents, and to teachers, we can never render sufficient gratitude and compensation. He that regards and considers this will indeed without compulsion do all honor to his parents, and bear them up on his hands as those through whom God has done him all good. Over and above all this, another great reason that should incite us the more to obedience to this commandment is that God attaches to this commandment a temporal promise, and says, that thou mayest live long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Here you can see yourself how much God is in earnest in respect to this commandment, inasmuch as he not only declares that it is well-pleasing to him, and that he has joy and delight therein, but also that it shall be for our prosperity and promote our highest good, so that we may have a pleasant and agreeable life, furnished with every good thing. Therefore also St. Paul greatly emphasizes the same, and rejoices in it when he says, Ephesians 6, 2-3, This is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. For although the rest also have their promises contained in them, yet in none is it so plainly and explicitly stated. Here then you have the fruit and the reward, that whoever observes this commandment shall have happy days, fortune, and prosperity, and, on the other hand, the punishment, that whoever is disobedient shall the sooner perish and never enjoy life. For to have long life in the sense of the Scriptures is not only to become old, but to have everything which belongs to long life, such as health, wife and children, livelihood, peace, good government, and so forth, without which this life can neither be enjoyed in cheerfulness nor long endure. If, therefore, you will not obey father and mother and submit to their discipline, then obey the hangman. If you will not obey him, then submit to the skeleton man, that is, death, death the all-subduer, the teacher of wicked children. For on this God insists preemptorily, either if you obey him, rendering love and service, he will reward you abundantly with all good, or if you offend him, he will send upon you both death and the hangman. Whence come so many knaves that must daily be hanged, beheaded, broken upon the wheel, but from disobedience to parents, because they will not submit to discipline in kindness, so that by the punishment of God they bring it about that we behold their misfortune and grief? For it seldom happens that such perverse people die a natural or timely death. But the godly and obedient have this blessing, that they live long in pleasant quietness, and see their children's children, as said above, to the third and fourth generation. This experience also teaches that where there are honorable old families who fare well and have many children, they owe their origin to the fact, to be sure, that some of them were brought up well, and were regardful of their parents. On the other hand, it is written of the wicked, Psalm 109.13, Let his posterity be cut off and in the generation following let their name be blotted out. Therefore heed well how great a thing in God's sight obedience is, since he so highly esteems it, is so highly pleased with it, and rewards it so richly, and besides enforces punishment so rigorously on those who act contrarywise. 
All this I say, that it may be well impressed upon the young, for no one believes how necessary this commandment is, although it has not been esteemed and taught hitherto under the papacy. These are simple and easy words, and everybody thinks he knew them afore. Therefore men pass them lightly by, are gaping after other matters, and do not see and believe that God is so greatly offended if they be disregarded, nor that one does a work so well-pleasing and precious if he follows them. In this commandment belongs a further statement regarding all kinds of obedience to persons in authority who have to command and to govern. For all authority flows and is propagated from the authority of parents. For where a father is unable alone to educate his rebellious and irritable child, he employs a schoolmaster to instruct him. If he be too weak, he enlists the aid of his friends and neighbors. If he departs this life, he delegates and confers his authority and government upon others who are appointed for the purpose. Likewise, he must have domestics, manservants, and maidservants under himself for the management of the household, so that all whom we call masters are in the place of parents, and must derive their power and authority to govern from them. Hence also they are all called fathers in the Scriptures, as those who in their government perform the functions of a father, and should have a paternal heart toward their subordinates. As also from antiquity the Romans and other nations called the masters and mistresses of the household patres et matres familiae, that is, house-fathers and house-mothers. So also they called their national rulers and overlords patres patriae, that is, fathers of the entire country. For a great shame to us who would be Christians that we do not likewise call them so, or, at least, do not esteem and honor them as such. Now, what a child owes to father and mother, the same owe all who are embraced in the household. Therefore, manservants and maidservants should be careful not only to be obedient to their masters and mistresses, but also to honor them as their own fathers and mothers, and to do everything which they know is expected of them, not from compulsion and with reluctance, but with pleasure and joy for the cause just mentioned, namely, that it is God's command, and is pleasing to Him above all other works. Therefore they ought rather to pay wages in addition, and be glad that they may obtain masters and mistresses to have such joyful consciences, and to know how they may do truly golden works, a matter which has hitherto been neglected and despised, when, instead, everybody ran in the devil's name into convents, or to pilgrimages and indulgences, with loss of time and money, and with an evil conscience. If this truth, then, could be impressed upon the poor people, a servant-girl would leap and praise and thank God, and with her tidy work for which she receives support in wages, she would acquire such a treasure as all that are esteemed the greatest saints have not obtained. Is it not an excellent boast to know and say that, if you perform your daily domestic task, this is better than all the sanctity and ascetic life of monks? And you have the promise, in addition, that you shall prosper in all good and farewell. How can you lead a more blessed or holier life as far as your works are concerned? For in the sight of God faith is what really renders a person holy, and alone serves him, but the works are for the service of man. There you have everything good, protection, and defense in the Lord, 
a joyful conscience, and a gracious God besides, who will reward you a hundredfold, so that you are even a nobleman if you be only pious and obedient. But if not, you have in the first place nothing but the wrath and displeasure of God, no peace of heart, and afterwards all manner of plagues and misfortunes. Whoever will not be influenced by this and inclined to godliness, we hand over to the hangman and to the skeleton man. Therefore, let every one who allows himself to be advised remember that God is not making sport, and know that it is God who speaks with you and demands obedience. If you obey him, you are his dear child, but if you despise to do it, then take shame, misery, and grief for your reward. The same also is to be said of obedience to civil government, which, as we have said, is all embraced in the estate of fatherhood, and extends farthest of all relations. For here the father is not one of a single family, but of as many people as he has tenants, citizens, or subjects. For through them, as through our parents, God gives to us food, house, and home, protection, and security. Therefore, since they bear such name and title with all honor as their highest dignity, it is our duty to honor them and to esteem them great as the dearest treasure and the most precious jewel upon earth. He, now, who is obedient here, is willing and ready to serve, and cheerfully does all that pertains to honor, knows that he is pleasing God, and that he will receive joy and happiness for his reward. If he will not do it in love, but despises and resists authority, or rebels, let him also know, on the other hand, that he shall have no favor, nor blessing. And where he thinks to gain a florin thereby, he will elsewhere lose ten times as much, or become a victim to the hangman, perish by war, pestilence, and famine, or experience no good in his children, and be obliged to suffer injury, injustice, and violence at the hands of his servants, neighbors, or strangers and tyrants, so that what we seek and deserve is paid back, and comes home to us. If we would ever suffer ourselves to be persuaded that such works are pleasing to God, and have so rich a reward, we would be established in altogether abundant possessions, and have what our heart desires. But because the word and command of God are so lightly esteemed, as though some babbler had spoken it, let us see whether you are the man to oppose him. How difficult do you think it will be for him to recompense you? Therefore you would certainly live much better with the divine favor, peace, and happiness than with his displeasure and misfortune. Why, think you, is the world now so full of unfaithfulness, disgrace, calamity, and murder, but because every one desires to be his own master, and free from the emperor, to care nothing for any one, to do what pleases him. Therefore God punishes one knave by another, so that when you defraud and despise your master, another comes and deals in like manner with you. Yea, in your household you must suffer ten times more from wife, children, or servants. Indeed, we feel our misfortune, we murmur and complain of unfaithfulness, violence, and injustice, but will not see that we ourselves are knaves who have fully deserved this punishment, and yet we are not thereby reformed. We will have no favor and happiness, therefore it is but fair that we have nothing but misfortune without mercy. There must still be somewhere upon earth some godly people, because God continues to grant us so much good. On our own account, 
we should have not a farthing in the house nor a straw in the field. All this I have been obliged to urge with so many words, in hope that some one may take it to heart, that we may be relieved of the blindness and misery in which we are steeped so deeply, and may truly understand the word and will of God, and earnestly accept it. For thence we would learn how we could have joy, happiness, and salvation enough, both temporal and eternal. Thus we have two kinds of fathers presented in this commandment, fathers in blood and fathers in office, or those to whom belongs the care of the family, and those to whom belongs the care of the country. Besides these, there are yet spiritual fathers, not like those in the papacy, who have indeed had themselves called thus, but have performed no function of the paternal office. For those only are called spiritual fathers, who govern and guide us by the word of God, as St. Paul boasts of his fatherhood, 1 Corinthians 4.15, where he says, In Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Now, since they are fathers, they are entitled to their honor, even above all others. But here it is bestowed least, for the way which the world knows for honoring them is to drive them out of the country, and to grudge them a piece of bread, and, in short, they must be, as says St. Paul, 1 Corinthians 4.13, as the filth of the world, and everybody's refuse and foot-rag. Yet there is need that this also be urged upon the populace, that those who would be Christians are under obligation in the sight of God to esteem them worthy of double honor who minister to their souls, that they deal well with them and provide for them. For that, God is willing to add to you sufficient blessing, and will not let you come to want. But in this matter everyone refuses and resists, and all are afraid that they will perish from bodily want, and cannot now support one respectable preacher, where formerly they filled ten fat paunches. In this we also deserve that God deprive us of his word and blessing, and again allow preachers of lies to arise to lead us to the devil, and in addition to drain our sweat and blood. But those who keep in sight God's will and commandment have the promise that everything which they bestow upon temporal and spiritual fathers, and whatever they do to honor them, shall be richly recompensed to them, so that they shall have not bread, clothing, and money for a year or two, but long life, support, and peace, and shall be eternally rich and blessed. Therefore only do what is your duty, and let God take care how he is to support you and provide for you sufficiently. Since he has promised it, he has never yet lied. He will not be found lying to you. This ought indeed to encourage us, and give us hearts that would melt in pleasure and love toward those to whom we owe honor, so that we would raise our hands and joyfully thank God who has given us such promises, for which we ought to run to the ends of the world, to the remotest parts of India. For although the whole world should combine, it could not add an hour to our life or give us a single grain from the earth. But God wishes to give you all exceeding abundantly according to your heart's desire. He who despises and casts this to the winds is not worthy ever to hear a word of God. This has now been stated more than enough for all who belong under this commandment. In addition, it would be well to preach to the parents also, and such as bear their office, as to how they should deport themselves toward those who are committed to them for their government. For although this is not expressed in the Ten Commandments, it is nevertheless abundantly enjoined, 
in many places in the Scripture, and God desires to have it embraced in this commandment when he speaks of father and mother. For he does not wish to have in this office and government knaves and tyrants, nor does he assign to them this honor, that is, power and authority to govern, that they should have themselves worshipped, but they should consider that they are under obligations of obedience to God, and that, first of all, they should earnestly and faithfully discharge their office not only to support and provide for the bodily necessities of their children, servants, subjects, and so forth, but, most of all, to train them to the honor and praise of God. Therefore do not think that this is left to your pleasure and arbitrary will, but that it is a strict command and injunction of God, to whom also you must give account for it. But here again the sad plight arises that no one perceives or heeds this, and all live on as though God gave us children for our pleasure or amusement, and servants that we should employ them like a cow or ass only for work or as though we were only to gratify our wantonness with our subjects, ignoring them as though it were no concern of ours what they learn or how they live. And no one is willing to see that this is the command of the Supreme Majesty, who will most strictly call us to account and punish us for it, nor that there is so great need to be so seriously concerned about the young. For if we wish to have excellent and apt persons both for civil and ecclesiastical government, we must spare no diligence, time, or cost in teaching and educating our children that they may serve God and the world, and we must not think only how we may amass money and possessions for them. For God can indeed, without us, support and make them rich, as He daily does. But for this purpose He has given us children, and issued this command that we should train and govern them according to His will, else He would have no need of father and mother. Let every one know, therefore, that it is his duty on peril of losing the divine favor to bring up his children above all things in the fear and knowledge of God. And if they are talented, have them learn and study something, that they may be employed for whatever need there is, to have them instructed and trained in a liberal education, that men may be able to have their aid in government and in whatever is necessary. If that were done, God would also richly bless and give us grace to train men by whom land and people might be improved, and likewise well-educated citizens, chaste and domestic wives, who afterwards would rear godly children and servants. Here consider now what deadly injury you are doing if you be negligent and fail on your part to bring up your children to usefulness and piety, and how you bring upon yourself all sin and wrath, thus earning hell by your own children even though you be otherwise pious and holy. And because this is disregarded, God so fearfully punishes the world that there is no discipline, government, or peace, of which we all complain, but do not see that it is our fault. For as we train them, we have spoiled and disobedient children and subjects. Let this be sufficient exhortation, for to draw this out at length belongs to another time. End of the Fourth Commandment